We'll be going through a sermon series on what it means to be human. And we're going to start, well, where the Bible starts about being human. In Genesis 1. Turn with me into your bulletins and I will read and we can read together. Genesis 1, 26 through 2, 3. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, And to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given you every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Genesis 2. And the Lord God had commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for on that day. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then our main text this morning from Psalm 8. To the choir master, according to Gatith, a psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. It's good to be back with you guys and um, thank you for the month off. It was needed and helpful. Um, Pastor Giorgio said, we begin a new sermon series today on being human. I thought it important that we explore this topic because we have a tendency to put our self-described human desires to be free, to be real, to be who we think we are, to just be me and you, as we like to say, to just be human at odds with the God who created and designed our humanity. This disconnect is what is actually keeping 
us from being as human as you could be, keeping us from just being us. In fact, it is the work of God in the life of his people, the shaping, the life changing, and life call of the Christian faith to be more like Jesus, to to be more like the one who came as the proto-human, but not only as a prototype, but as the savior of the human product, the, the human line. He, Jesus, is the assurance and power that we would not be discontinued or, or trashed. He is leading us back to real and true and right humanity. So what am, I, what am I asking you to do, human to human, for the next five weeks or so? To let God tell us what and who and how we are. To stop imagining and guessing and fabricating what it means to be human for ourselves and let the architect, the engineer, and mechanic of our humanity tell and retool and repair us as we look through his word. Today we will explore this first part of how God has designed you and made you and what he is seeking to perfect in your humanity. You and I were created and created to be impressively impressionable. That human beings, you and I, are not only impressive creations of God, we are impressionable creations who finally and foremost have and need an impressive and impressionable Savior to save our broken humanity. You know, one of the biggest problems we have as human beings, ironically, when it comes to understanding our essential humanness, we don't think highly enough about what God has done and did when he made human beings. You and I and everybody else that was ever or will ever be anyone or anybody are impressive. That up, And against all that God made, you have the wow factor. You and I have the star quality. Do you not realize, or maybe you have forgotten, or or maybe you have let it slip past you, that we are the best thing God has ever made? Get this, you're not the best thing Van Gogh or Da Vinci or Bentley or Cash Money Records or Apple or IBM or Google or Motorola, Motorola ever made. You are the best thing God ever made. Look how this thing sets up. Look with me at verse 1, verse 26 through 28 one more time. I mean, through. let's do 2, 3. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and an image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning of the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts with them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. 
God sat down, y'all, when he was done with human beings. The chronology matters here. You were the crown, the final topping, the, the closing creational act. Human beings filled the final frame and set. You and I are creation 6.0, made on the sixth day as the best bug-free product God put out to be enjoyed by God on the seventh day. You know when someone cooks a good meal, we have this saying that says, girl, you put your foot in that cake. Maybe y'all don't say that. <laughs> Doesn't sound too appetizing, does it? In other words, you put all you could put of yourself into baking that cake. All the personal effort and character and love the cake could hold of you, you gave it. God put his foot in it when he made humankind. But the Bible is more sophisticated. It doesn't say foot, does it? Close, though. It says image and likeness. And these words mean human beings, beings have some God semblance, some God ways, some God swagger. They are merely like God. Human beings compared to the rest of creation are, are, are heads of the earth, right? They, they have God-likeness in their genetic code, a, a recessive gene for many of us, but they're nevertheless. Now, let me make it clear that it is not an exact resemblance, and God has not given us all or some of all his divine or eternal attributes. We aren't even close to being God, but we look like we could be in his family, some distant cousin somehow. You and I are descendants of God, per se. Descendant like Pinocchio was of Geppetto, or Apple was of Jobs, or, or Lady Gaga's showmanship is of Madonna. She liked to bite Madonna. Y'all get it. I heard her song, as that's Madonna. I'm old enough to remember. And we'll get into more of those God characteristics in later sermons. But one, one that I want to bring out here is that humans are impressive because we rule. In verse 28 and 30, it says this, And God blessed them, and, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Yes, the world is the Lord's, but he has given it to humankind to manage it. One of the definitions for the Hebrew word for dominion is scrape out. Human beings are called to have dominion, which in part means to shape the world according to the wisdom God has uniquely given humankind and to do so out of how God has made each thing. Okay, what's the point? We're the H-C-I-C, the head creation in charge. And so when you see a mighty wave or hear the roar of the lion or the blue of the, or see the blue of the sky in part, yes, first, praise God, but second, it should say, you the man. We are all, you know, of that under God. The sound of nature in part is your walking music, the song that moves you. Human beings have a God-given swagger and strut among and in creation, which is right, because God has made human beings impressive but not without being impressionable. We see his 
call to dominion. And, and it's a call, y'all, to, to react, to have your humanity called upon those things that have been created and, and called upon by people who have been created to, to have relationship with them. You know, one of the most incredible things about human beings is that we, unlike any other creation, have an amazing ability to feel, to love, to long, to react deeply and strongly and in and of itself it was good to be moved and influenced rightly by the world's need of you in it we all have this deep desire this which is part of the image and likeness of god this this deep desire this this call to be useful to to affect change or or to keep to to nurture or connect and that is right we all want to be impressed upon to be called on as important and needed and wanting and doing somewhere to work to live to love to make to design because as a human the pulse of the world your god created connection with the earth and other humans and the rest of creation it pulls on you and it should pull on you but to have dominion would require that we hear the world that we are able to take heed to its groanings to be worked and cultured and and carved and shaped by us per God's plan other day I went to the open house for my for Clark's school second grade and we went in to meet the teacher and so, you know, parents are sitting on these little chairs. Kids are sitting there, too. In the middle of the table, she has blocks, you know, little connecting blocks. And I'm thinking, you know what's going to happen. There wasn't a kid in that room didn't pick up blocks and start building something. Wasn't an adult in that room that didn't want to. And one adult in particular did. Creation calls us, like those blocks on the table, to shape it, to make something happen. Like it was put there for us, and we're connected to the purpose and plan somewhere to impress upon us. Adam and Eve were designed to grow. Think about this impressionable part of it. They were created and designed to grow, not only numerically to to multiply, but as they lived and loved and worked with and in creation, there would be a right and good stretching of their brains and emotions, not from anything negative before sin into the world, but in positive ways, like, like stretching and being able to run longer distances as you exercise. In the exercise of their humanity, Adam and Eve would grow more human. If we look at verse 28, it says, and God blessed them and God said to them, right? Be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the ground. And then if we look forward to chapter 2, verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God is... Asking the human being to obey him. Now, this is before sin entered the world, okay? So obey doesn't sound like a bad word like it does to us, right? When you tell your kid, don't do something. Other night, just last night, I'm like, Clark, Clark's like, Daddy, can I just take this Lego ship in the room? It's bedtime, but I just want it in the room with me. I don't want to leave another. No, you leave it in this room. 
but daddy, please, I would if you were more obedient, but I know you'll get up in the middle of the night and play with it. And he says, daddy, then I'm never going to play with the ship because I'm never going to be that obedient with tears. I'm stuck, daddy, because you know I'm not going to be good. Pre-fall obedience, right? Pre-fall doesn't have the tears with it. Doesn't have the, oh, no, someone asked me not to do something. Crud. Don't you hate when you need to turn left and that don't turn left signs there? Right, you know, it's, it's, it's 550 between 3 and 6. Don't turn left. I turn anyway. Right? Ugh. It's bad news. But, but God is asking the human being to be moved by his request, to have humankind shaped by his word and live his life by what God said before sin. To as one made in the image of God to be impressed, to be impressionable to the words and ways of God. And God did not make that kind of relational bridge available to any other creation like he did humankind. We were actually made to be used. To be dented, to be broken Broken in by God's love and right and good works and call on our lives. Like clay in the potter's hands. Not clay that has all kind of disease and sin in it, but, but pure clay in the potter's hand. God would use his words with the experience of life to continue to dig out and till and tease out our humanity until it budded from glory to more glory, from good to gooder or better, proper English. What am I saying? Adam and Eve, human beings were created to be like a good glove that was designed and able to get better as it was broken in by the spit and hands and use, in this case, words and presence of God, that human beings before God were, before God were created to be like wine, fermented, uh, invaded and stewed and steeped over time by being, with the, being in God's intimate presence and listening and obeying his word. The longer they lived and stayed obedient, hearing and listening to God, the more they would grow, the better, humanly speaking, they would become. I've always wondered why the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why would he tempt them like that? It's just hard for us to, from, you know, the sin side of it, to look back and say, why would he do that? Everybody would eat that thing. It's not fair. Why would he do that? What was good about putting something so bad producing? Now, there's some answers to that I can't answer. I'm not even going to try to do some stuff. But you think about it, that the tree's presence was the continual call to obedience. That every time they would see it and not take it, it would mold them more. It would grow them more. It would shape and carve their obedience and love that said God was God and they were his creation and people. And praise him, we're happy about that. Why do you need to get your tires rotated? You know why I'm a guest? Because most of us go the same way to work every day, right? The same stops and goes, the same only one-way streets, the same don't turn left signs that you turn at anyway. You know, not going a different way has shaped your tires, has worn them. Human beings with that tree that they were not to eat of would have been worn in a good way to God and for themselves, shaped from glory to glory to awesomeness to awesomeness. 
Human beings were never created to be static, but dynamic to grow and changing and always impressing as they were impressionable to God and his words and way and presence with them. And they would use those impressive selves on earth to do the thing and enjoy the thing and enjoy God and, and grow the joy with more people. Could you imagine all these people, you know, children and aunts and uncles and all that kind of stuff, all these people coming and they're being shaped and going from glory to glory as they interact with each other and interact with nature. It just gets better. It's hard to imagine. I always wondered, is heaven going to be boring? Everything's good. Ain't nothing to fight for. You know, I'm glad I'm a pastor. I don't make as much money as lawyers and doctors on this end, but we don't need lawyers and doctors on the other side. Ain't nobody going to get sick, and it won't be any disputes. How can that be? Georgia, ain't nobody going to get sick, right? You don't want to answer that theological question? Dave, ain't nobody going to get sick, right? Ask Georgia. Okay. Why do we need doctors? Yay! That ain't going to be the high-paying job. Sorry, Canty. Oh, he ain't here today. Anyway, um, human beings were, impress- were to be impressing and being impressed upon by God. Now, what does all this mean? How should it make us feel? Heavy, I hope. Because regardless of who you are, You are one of the heavies on this planet. In the grand scheme of things, whether you want to believe it or not, sorry, you may be acting like a shrinking violet, but you are a woman. That means something. Yes, you may act like a monkey, but this is not planet of the apes. And that puts many of us in a real bind. Because we don't feel to even want to be impressive or impressionable like God has created us. We have failed to be as impressive or impressionable as we should. We have hardened towards any God, suffered any responsibility for the world and others. Now, later in chapter 3 in Genesis, we learn that Adam and Eve allowed themselves to be impressed by the serpent, and they disobeyed God and started living life and being broken and shaped by the wrong things. Now, out of alignment, human beings have become enrouted, if you will, into these scary and scared creation. And our impressiveness able to destroy and damage ourselves and others in this world beyond our ability to repair. We are now always being moved by what we shouldn't. Our impressionable nature makes it easy to be taken and used and abused and hurt and maimed and loving what is not love and being mistreated and addicted to what we shouldn't and unable to live without what is killing us. And on the other side, we've become so hurt and hard-hearted, so close to, to real and true beauty and love and joy, we are no longer impressionable in a good way. We are impenetrable to love and relationship and responsibility. And ironically, sometimes being human is like being stuck. Stuck in the curse of feeling the weight of the world that we can't handle. And yet being punked and kicked around and controlled and afraid in a world that manhandles our hearts with addictions and unhealthy counterproductive relationships and histories of abuse and religious and spiritual abuse and deceptive manipulation and racism and sexism and classism stuck in this body and world of sin that was originally designed to be a mark of God's dignity. Now this outfit, this body, This humanity, this 
good world when God created has become a host and heist of all things hard and harsh and dangerous and lonely and lazy and useless and deadly. Now many of us just want to be free from being so human. The gospel of Jesus Christ, though, is calling us back to being human. Back to the glory of our humanity, that is. The gospel is the power we need to once again begin to live towards what and how God intended us to be. For human beings in a fallen world cursed by what was originally created by God to be a blessing, here is the good, mu- good news. Humanity has been given an impressive and impressionable Savior. Look with me at Psalm 8 now, verses 1 through 4. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babies and infants. You have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You know the most impressive and impressionable people in the room? Regardless of what you have going on. Babies. That's who. They are so cute. You know, sometimes you're having something, you, you're making a good point, too. You know, I, I'm the type, I, I want to make a good point. Man, something brilliant come up? You got to let it out your mouth, right? Well, I guess that's only me. You think it's brilliant. Okay, and if, to yourself, that's a problem. Um, so, you know, you, you're making a point, and somebody brings a baby. Oh, look at the baby. I'm saying something, man. And then when they cry, oh, You can't ignore them. Take it from a preacher. I've been in churches. Baby cries. Everybody, especially mamas, looking around. I just made a good point about Jesus. And you're worried about a baby. Because if a baby or infant cries, it doesn't care. It doesn't care what it disturbs. Something is wrong. And we hear and feel the alarm. Babies are impressive. As soon as they are affected because they're so impressionable by hunger or wet diapers or fear. They can, be, they can powerfully make demands of the room. That's why we got nursery. Thank you, Amanda, because I can't compete with the impressive and impressionable nature of babies. In this psalm, human beings in particular, God's people, are the babies and infants. Crying out. In the pain of humanity, whatever they may have that is too heavy on them, crying out for what or whoever is now pressuring and pressing on them. It is a cry of our humanity trapped in this shell on this messed up earth and life and hearts. And it is powerful to turn back, the scripture says, to still the enemy, to to stop sin, to, to stop what separates them from God. Why? Not because of their impressive pain, expressions of pain and prayer or complaining. But the fact that the impressive one, God himself, actually is impressed by these brats, his people, (laughs) these sinners, these who cry out even for stuff they put themselves in. In fact, the psalmist asks, what? Why do you listen, God? When I think, when I look at the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Why do you listen and why do you answer, God? The rest of the world is so pretty and awesome. Why, again, are you so impressed by these human beings? And 
to answer them. And he goes on to answer the question in part. If you look through verses 5 and 9, you know, because, you know, let's read it. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hand. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the path of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Why? Does he answer us? Why is God impressed by you and me? Because God loves his awesome creation. He loves humanity. He's actually impressed by what he's made and what he has made them to do and be. You know, I have to be careful what I throw out, throw away that the boys have made. Right? Some picture, just some crayon drawing. It's not going to make it into anybody's museum. You know, it's got the little edges folded up. It's been sitting around for a while. And I remember one time I found one of those arbitrary paint pictures. It didn't even have much color on it. And I was just like, a few minutes later, I'm like, what happened? Daddy threw away my picture. But it's not, I mean, oh, it's the best picture ever, Daddy. God is impressed with what you may see and feel is trash or not worth saving. He's impressed. He's moved by what he has made in us. Now that is one impressive God. So the psalmist says, how majestic, how incredible you are. Praise him because he cares to and can save. But don't miss it here. And I need y'all to wake up and get this. It is interesting here that verse 5 talks about crowning him. Now we assume it is about crowning us fallen human beings. Yes, in part. But the psalm starts out and ends talking about God's majesty, his kingship. But he's crowning humanity. And yes, it goes back to humans bearing the image of God. He crowns us as managers of the earth with the mark of his royalty, unlike other create creatures. We already talked about that. But let's read the psalm this way. That this psalm is about a new creation. For the old creation that is now broken. This psalm was written for those crying babies and infants who needed a king to save them from what they were crying In verse 5, it says, you have made. Now, that word is not exactly the same connotation as create. It is God has called. He's put in place. He's sent. The God has sent. He's put in place a man, the man, who would have all things under his feet, including the powers and people who are hurt and make us cry with pain. A second Adam, just as and more impressive than the first, but impressionable to the cries of the babies and infants. One who could, like the, the original man and woman, feel deeply. No one be willing and responsible to respond, to take on and fix the pain around him for the sake of others. That man, the psalmist talks talking about who comes as one of us but is the majestic God praised at the beginning and end is the Lord Jesus Christ impressive in power having the power and person of God impressionable and understanding our humanity and sorrow and pain and sin and brokenness there are two things clearly ordained here Strength out of the mouth of babes and one who is called to rule and save. You and I must exercise our humanity in part by being impressively needy of God. Cry to him. Submit 
our final and last hopes on ever being human on him. To like a baby opening our lives to be impressionable to him, to his word, to know and study the Bible, to obedience, to, to seeing the laws of God as a role to humanity regained and restored, to being shaped by the crowned one, to be moved in routine and thinking, to walk towards the dignity and impressiveness of being human so that we can feel and love and serve and respond and make and experience things beautiful inside and outside of ourselves. Let the one who made you impress you. Cry to him. Come to him. Give your life and promise him. Give your humanity to him. And he, the king, Jesus, God come in the flesh, is so impressive, so impressionable, so human that he he will hear you and has heard you. Impressive and impressionable.